don't put yourself in position to fall into a topic that you're going to lose the momentum and lose the excitement. Be very transparent to your audience. Today, we get to speak with Billy Samoa Salibi, an entrepreneur, podcast host, and award-winning filmmaker, Rolling. He has led learning and development organizations for some of the most disruptive companies in the world, including Tesla, where he was head of global sales and product training. He's also co-founded Podify and is the current CEO, a podcast agency that provides production and promotion services to companies and individuals who want to create a podcast. In addition to being the host for In addition to being the host of For the Love of Podcasts, a podcast about podcasting, he's also the host of the podcast Insight Out, where he interviews world changers, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders to uncover powerful insights, reveals why they make an impact, and explain exactly how that can be applied. So let's listen to So let's jump into the episode. I'm Janet Ahmed host of Hacks and Hobbies podcast and a digital presence advisor at HumbleZone. This episode is brought to you by Home Studio Mastery. I launched a consultation and course program to help podcasters and course creators to create a space in their homes that will reduce the friction of creating content and appearing their best when showing up on camera. The pandemic gave us a lot of issues, but this one is here to stay. We're now so much closer to our audience thanks to video becoming more popular and affordable. I help guide folks who want to create Hollywood-worthy studios to not only capture great content, but also build more confidence, more authority, and be more comfortable in front of the camera. If I can do it, you can too. And with my help, you can do it faster. So if you'd like to learn more, visit homestudiomastery.com and how you too can create a home studio that brings out your personality, professionalism, and possibilities. Thank you for tuning in to Hacks and Hobbies with your host, Junaid. We're visited by our amazing guests coming from all walks of life who want to learn their story, their struggles, and their journey on how they got to where they are today. So stick around, Billy. Thanks for coming and joining the podcast. Oh my goodness, I'm so happy. Thanks for having me and you know I'm a massive fan of yours. We got to know each other on Clubhouse. So grateful that the gift of meeting you happened because of that platform. So it's an honor and it's a privilege and let's let's do this. 100% man. It's been a long time coming and I was like, hey, why, why am I not talking to Billy? He's got some amazing stories and talking about stories, let's go into a version of your journey that no one's heard of before. I think people haven't heard much about the fact that I became very, at a very young age, and I'm realizing this now as I have a nine-year-old, I, I became very focused on details. And I think largely because my mom would help me with school projects and, you know, and I'm, <laughs> this sounds horrible. When I see some of my son's school projects, I think to myself, he did not have the same attention to detail that I had, 
when I was his age. And maybe mm-hmm. that's on me as a parent that I could be a bit more, Hey, you should tape this better. You should work on this more. And yeah. for me, I think the the thing that most people don't know about my journey is it started really young and that then led to having a very, very high attention to detail. And, and it definitely can slant to the edge of perfectionism. I will admit that. Yeah. So, so I think being a perfectionist has helped me very much in my career. And it's also been one of my biggest challenges. Yeah. No, that that's so true because we want to make sure everything is all the, all the T's across and I's are dotted, right? Because we paid a lot of attention and I'm, I'm the same way. I'm a very detail oriented. And I think we have to thank the lack of tension grabbers back when we were growing up, right? We, we just had one television, maybe some mm. channels. We didn't have internet. We didn't have a lot of the other things. If you wanted to spend time with, with friends, you'd actually go outside and ride the bike and all those things. But unfortunately, that's not the case for our kids and, and how they're growing up. They immediately want, okay, what's, what's, can I go watch Netflix? Can I watch YouTube? YouTube? You know, they have so many ways to distract themselves. So when they're working on a project, they just want to quickly get out of it. So then they can go do the fun thing. Mm. So you're saying I'm not entirely to blame. There's, there's other, there's other factors at play, but no, you're right, man. I mean, <laughs> there is a no shortage of things vying for our attention and our kids are at the forefront of all of the onslaught of noise, things yeah. that they can and want to have in their lives and mm-hmm. therefore their attention is spread across so many different things. No, 100%. But that's also, I think what that's also doing for them, it's enabling them to think from a really powerful perspective because now they have a view of the world that's more diverse as opposed mm-hmm. to what we had a view of the world, right? Mm-hmm. So I think they have a lot of things to be thankful for and it's going to make them a better human being growing up because on shoulders of giants, right? We we are providing with them with a such a amazing platform. They see us doing content. They see us having, you know, speaking on stages and creating content. It's giving them another shoulder to climb on. You know, they see this as really easy. So the question is, what are they going to be struggling with as they grow? Mm. Yeah. And I think the thing that we really have more now than ever is access to information. And I think that access to information with great knowledge comes great responsibility. So I think the biggest challenge will be to figure out what's real and what's not real. I think there's so much information being spread and the information that's being spread is not always accurate. So being able to determine and discern what's fact versus what's made up. And and the other piece to it is, is staying open-minded enough to realize that we often try to make the stories in our head more believable by finding things that back up our own version of the truth. Instead of looking at things with the more objective lens, Mm -hmm. we're looking at things to 
reinforce what we already believe. And I think that the biggest challenge that we as a society has, and, and the biggest challenge that it's certainly our younger generation has, is to differentiate and dis- distinguish between fact and fiction. Yeah, 100%. And you're, you're absolutely right. You know, they have, there's going to be pros and cons, right? So we as parents have to step in and be like, okay, hey, this is, we got to set up that moral foundation for them, right? That's going to help them grow more balanced, at least from a biased perspective. But again, mm-hmm. you know, they have information. So at least we can guide them. What are some of the motivations that keeps you going on a daily basis? What What's happening in there? Yeah, motivations from a daily basis is how can I expand the impact that I have through others? So the reason why I started my, my company and the reason why I started my podcast is recognizing that I'm only one person and mm-hmm. my ability to impact people by myself is, is only so much. Uh, but, but if I can help other people make imp- an impact on others, I multiply my, my effort and multiply in a way that can influence a lot more people. And so yeah. the, the, the interesting thing about the age that we live in is so vastly different than any other time in history Sure. There are people who've written books and there are people that have had leadership roles where they Mm -hmm. impacted a lot of people, but there's so few people in history that have done that versus today. Literally anyone who has the desire to influence other people can do it. Absolutely. Because of social media, because of the nature of the internet and the access that we have to this information, it now gives us all the ability to do something that is truly world changing. Yeah, And that is a powerful proposition. And again, because that exists, you know, it could be done for good or it could be done for evil, or it could be done in with the right intentions, but not with the right outcome. And so, you know, where I spend my time and attention is how do I align with people and visions that I support? An example would be, I just brought on a new client that they have a show all about bullying. Mm. I have another show that's all about medical technology. Yeah, I have another show. It's all about love and relationships. And so these are shows that I support because I recognize how important it is to have medical technology, to do what we can to end bullying, to focus on how to love and be loved better. And so all of these things are things that I support. And, you know, while I don't have my own podcast about these things through my company, I support podcasters who do. I really love that aspect of your motivation. And and the one thing that you mentioned, you know, desire, Mm. it's the number one step in Think and Grow Rich, right? Napoleon Hill wrote the book and that was the number one thing anybody needs to have in order to get to that higher level, having that desire to help, desire to share, desire to be somebody who's changed the world, who's who's made a difference. So having that desire, I think that's really powerful. 
So let's go back to, you know, we've met through Clubhouse, Brendan Kamarsami. It's like, dude, you got to meet Billy. I'm like, all right, <laughs> let's do this. And we got to hang out in those rooms. But there was a lot of amazing conversations we had. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came up to be in a role that you are today and, you know, gone through so many different steps to get here. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, so for me, my journey starts where my creative journey ended. And so when I say my creative journey ended by all accounts, what most people would consider creative. So I left film school, I made a movie. And when I was done with the movie, I decided that I needed to look for a career that would pay more money than independent filmmaking. Mm -hmm. And so I, by accident, got involved in the renewable space. I worked for yeah. solar company and grew within the corporate space, selling solar, helping people put solar on their roof and get a lower electric bill. Yeah. And I didn't stay away from creativity very long because I got into training and training gave me the opportunity to really give people experiences. And, yeah. and I think the foundation of everything that I do really falls back to this idea of how do you create a memorable experience that people want to tell their friends about? And whether that's a podcast, a movie or a training event or a party, these are all things that I've done in my past. And it goes back to that earlier conversation that we had at the start of this. It's like, yeah. The attention to details, while people may not remember one specific detail, they'll remember the collection of all the details. Yes. And so when I interviewed uh, someone who worked directly for Baba Iger at, at um, Disney mm -hmm. uh, and for Michael Eisner, uh, he said that they, I, I think it was Michael Eisner who said this, the details, you know, and they work for Disney, right? The, the details are kind of like a pointillist painting. When you look at one dot, it's just one dot. But when you back out and you look at the bigger picture of that painting, it looks yeah. like something entirely different. And so I think most things that we do, they're like a pointillist painting. One detail by itself is not a big deal, but the collection of all those details are what make the experience something that people will really remember. And so I had the good fortune of working for Solar City and then Tesla. Mm -hmm. And when I worked for Tesla, I tried to do that same thing because I had the opportunity to do yeah. and build a new hire onboarding program, which we called Launch. And so how do we make the new hire experience representative of the disruptive company that Tesla is? Hmm. And then flash forward to me leaving Tesla, I said, okay, what do I do next? And so I got into the podcast space and I, I fell in love with this idea of telling stories and learning and listening and understanding what make people tick. So I started Inside Out, a show all about those transformational life moments of insight that yeah. change us forever. We have all had them. And, and then now I have my other show, For the Love of Podcasts. I have another show that I'm starting. So I, I just fell in love with this space, with the medium and the ability to connect with people that are listening, that have that you know, experience of listening yeah. to someone closely, you just can't really put to words how magical that is and how intimate that experience is. And just like Clubhouse going full circle to mm -hmm. how we met, part of the reason Clubhouse is such an attractive option is because 
it is an auditory experience. And so uh, that then led to me starting Potify, which is my production company. And now here we are talking and, you know, I've learned so much from you and the work that you do because you're, like you said, you're somebody that also pays attention to the details. Mm -hmm. I love the point that Eisner was it that said it's, you got to look at the whole picture from the, you know, we have we, the terminology in the UX space. What's the 30,000 foot view? What's the 10,000 mm, foot altitude. view? High altitude. Right, high altitude coming lower down because when you're down in the weeds, all you see is what's around you and, and you you can't really look past a certain height because, well, the horizon is hidden. The higher you go, the more details, you're adding more perspective. Right. When they say the grass is greener on the other side, it's because you're looking at it from a different perspective. Mm. But the guy who's standing on that grass, I'm like, dude, my grass needs so much work. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's, so uh, it's, it's, it's all about the perspective. Cause my neighbor tells me, dude, Janet, your grass looks so good. And I'm looking down at it. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> There's a lot of blank holes over here that need filling. But it, it all comes down to perspective. So what you mentioned, you know, you're, you're looking at that entire experience as a perspective. It gives people that are entering this experience a different perspective. They understand diversity. They understand being able to walk in other people's shoes. And I think with, with Clubhouse, the power of having these deep conversations was really because only one person is speaking at a time. Mm-hmm. You're not getting uh, visually bombarded by a ton of people's faces moving in a Zoom call. You're just paying attention to one voice. Maybe there's a conversation going on and it just builds that relationship. You get to say, hey, I know Billy. I know the way he talks. I know the way he leads conversations, moderates rooms. It's powerful because it's a it's a muscle that we have to build and work on. Uh, people that I work with, I'll tell them, hey, you can go and spend 10K on your studio tomorrow, today, right? But you're still going to struggle on how to show up on camera, how to talk to the camera, how to have conversation with your audience, how to have conversation with other people, because that's a skill that you cannot buy. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I thought of as you were speaking is, we as human beings, we're so immersed in what other people think of us that we forget that most people are too worried thinking about themselves. They're not actually thinking about us. They're, they're, and, and certainly they're not going to notice the things that we are noticing. You, you yeah. talk about how, you know, the grass is greener and you're, you're, you probably have a laundry list of things that you want to improve about any number of things in mm-hmm. case in point, you're, you're somebody who specializes in helping to build out really amazing studios that do all the things that people need and want to show up and look their best on camera. Yeah. And, and you know, everything, but I'm sure there's, there's things that you're like, Oh, well, I want to improve this for myself. Or you just talked to me before we got started about a light that you're getting. And so mm-hmm. these are things that you're improving and you're optimizing. You're yeah. still not satisfied but no one is going to look at you, Janaid, and be like, yeah. "Oh, Janaid, you're, you're. This is off, and that's off." I mean, maybe yeah. if you if you hired somebody to do it, they could, do, you know, pinpoint this or pinpoint that. Much like somebody would hire you to do the same thing. Exactly. But the reality is, people are much more engrossed in their own self than they are 
picking you apart. Now, yeah. don't get me wrong. There's always the haters. There's always the trolls. <laughs> they exist, but that's going to be true no matter what. And, and yeah. the more trolls and haters you have, the more success you're having guaranteed. So, you know, there, there's never been a presidential candidate that got a hundred percent of the vote. So that's just uh, remember that you, you're true. never going to get everybody. Never. <laughs> I love that story where this father and son are walking their donkey into the town and they go by this town and they're like, what are these dumb people doing? They're, they're not even using this donkey. <laughs> So the son sits up, like, fine, I'll sit up. And then the father's walking, and then they pass through another town. It's like, what kind of son is this making his poor old dad walk? <laughs> <laughs> like, you can never please anybody, right? And then they go through another where they're both sitting on time. Like, what kind of people are there? They're all sitting, you know, on this board. So, yeah, it's never, there's never going to be a case where you please everybody. Mm-hmm. Even with movements, it's the same way. There's always going to be a black and white, a, a dark side and a, and a light side. And the beautiful thing is we need those two sides because we literally, like we're, every beat of our heart, <laughs> we're going up and down. We're breathing in and out. That is the essence of being human. So true, man. It's such a great way of putting it. And I think the beauty of life is that we each have this ability to allow ourselves to have that shared humanity. Yeah. And the reminder that we are all going through very similar things. And mm -hmm. and and we sometimes I think forget that just because somebody has the appearance that they've got their act together and that they've got everything figured out. <laughs> Chances are they don't. That's just yeah. the reality is that most people yes. are still figuring out this thing. We, we were all works in progress. We're yes. all making mistakes along the way. We're learning and we're adapting and making new strides towards the direction that we think is going to be the right direction. And, yeah. you know, we, we can't allow ourselves to, assume that because somebody else is doing something better in a perceived way further along that you know, the comparison game will never get you to where you, you need to go. The only no. person you really should be comparing yourself to is yourself. Absolutely. You need to be competing with yourself and we can see that in the greats. We can see that in Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant and Steph Curry. Oh. They competed with themselves every day. They would work hard to be better than their previous self, right? So, and to get to that point, you got to get started. So I tell everybody, hey, just get started. No matter what it is what that you want to do, just get started and learn it along the way because you will find something not right. And you will find people along that journey that are going to support you and encourage you and, you know, mm -hmm. help you overcome things that you might be going through at that point in time. And I've been so fortunate of it's fortunate enough to be connected with folks like yourself and other communities that I'm in because they are continually supporting, encouraging, like Janae, this is awesome. And I'm sure there's haters out there. 
I just haven't seen them yet because <laughs> I'm not that loud yet. So when I do get that at that point, I'm sure that's going to happen. Yeah, you're so lovable. <laughs> Thank you, man. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, let's go through, let's share with the audience a few pointers on podcasting or, or something that you know, you preach about, I've, I've seen your Instagram, it's so powerful, you teach, you're continually giving away really valuable information. Let's share a few pointers around podcasting and what your company does. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, well, I'm happy to. I think the, the number one thing I could say is podcasting is a long-term sport. And that doesn't mean that you need to have everything figured out in the beginning. Because it's long-term, you can, Figure things out as you go. Now, there is a caveat or there is a disclaimer to that statement. That doesn't mean you shouldn't think about how to start a podcast or what you should put in before you get started. I think being intentional and being thoughtful yeah. ahead of time will really, really help. And so being thoughtful of the title, the topic, the show format, what is your it factor? Like all of those things ideally should be thought through in advance yeah. and give yourself permission to change if maybe you made a wrong decision. So I'd say step one is remember it's a long-term sport. Step two, because it's a long-term sport, be okay with pivoting and changing. But before you start to pivot and change, put the thought in on the front end to make sure that the path that you start is a path that is informed based on Really, really strategic thinking and intentional thinking. Yeah. So a few pieces on that part of it. The tiding, the title, I believe, should be boring and descriptive as opposed to clever and creative. Hmm. So clever and creative is good if it tells people what your show is all about also. Right. But if it doesn't tell people what your show is all about, if it doesn't have any keywords, if it doesn't have any clarity, yeah. Clever and creative might be a bad decision, which again, you might have to pivot, right? And then as far as the show topic or format, make sure that you find something that you don't necessarily need to be the subject matter expert, but is it narrow enough to where you can talk to somebody about your show and you know exactly where you could find them? Yeah. A big mistake people make is they try to speak to everybody. Well, if you try to speak to everybody, you know the old saying, you're speaking to nobody. So narrow your scope and they say, find your niche or your niche, narrow it, niche down again, yeah. niche down again, and then niche down until it hurts. Right. And so I think it was Pat Flynn that said that, or maybe it was. Yes, he does. So it's good advice because. If you narrow it down to the point where it hurts, you could always expand back out. But if you know right. who your audience is, you know where to find them. And the last piece I'll say is, in addition to having a title that's very descriptive and boring and narrowing down your niche, I would say it's really, really important to figure out what will make your show something that other people will want to talk about. Mm. Because there's two and a half million podcasts out there. What's oh the secret sauce? You know, a marshmallow is great and a graham cracker is great and a piece of chocolate's great, but you put them together and it's magic. Oh my God. So how can you create a show that blends 
two concepts together. This is just an idea that you take one thing and another thing and you put them together. It's like, yeah. you think about people in Hollywood, how do they pitch their movie? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's when Harry met Sally meets the Titanic. Okay. I'm just right. making this up. But the point being is <laughs> how can you create something that in a word or in a sentence, you can describe that to other people yeah. and then they could share it with their friends. So those are a few bits that I think would be helpful. I really like that idea of putting concepts together. You know, a lot of people talk about, oh, that's like an Uber for dogs. Right. Or, you know, they take a concept that's already well known and they they put a spin on it. So Exactly. You hit the nail on the head, man. Great, great example. Thank you. And for example, like, is there a Google for anything else? Like Google is search, right? So if if there was a new way to search, like, oh, that's like Google for blah, blah, blah. Sure. Or search for- it's like Google for uh, podcasts. Google for podcasts, exactly, right? So, yeah, p- those hey, are- those idea, are idea, by the way. <laughs> Google for podcasts. I mean, there are a lot of directories, but you get the point. Yeah, so no, those are excellent points. Having that concept in our mind, having a mission, having a vision for what this is going to do for others, building a movement around it, all comes down to us being consistently creating the content. Sure, you're not going to get the thousands of views or downloads in the first few months, but it all comes down to research. What are people really looking for? Uh, our good friend Daryl Eve mm. um, in his YouTube formula talks about it. It's like you can do all the research that you want, figure out who you're going to create content for on your YouTube channel, and then put that together. And you're certain to have people come in and because they're ask, they're already asking for it. And there's so many different places that we can go to find that information. Look at two-star ratings on Amazon. <laughs> Those are excellent things people are already complaining about. And if you can find a solution, you know, it's right there because people are already voicing their concerns and what they're really looking for. Yeah, I love that, man. That's a great piece of feedback there. So, and I think you hit the nail on the head. It's like people are already looking for things. So how do you get in front of that wave yeah. of what people are already looking for. I'll give you a great example. I have a friend who started a YouTube channel all about the San Francisco 49ers football team. And he's very quickly building an audience because mm-hmm. there are a lot of people who love football. There's a lot of people who love the 49ers and he's speaking to an audience that's content hungry. Yes. So how do you find what people are looking for? How do you serve them that? And, you know, you do the homework to to learn and understand what is going to be, you know, don't make your work harder, make your work easier. So if people are hungry for content and there's enough of a competitive opening for you to serve something up and it'll get some attention then you're in a good space. Absolutely. Conversely, if you're in, it's hyper competitive or nobody's looking for this content, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's not, it's not going to work. If it's too vague, right. I'm going to make a show about entrepreneurship. Okay. That's great. If you started it when John Lee Dumas started his show and <laughs> you were able to put together, you know, consistent content every day, like he did for mm-hmm. 2000 straight days, then yeah, you yeah. might stand a chance. But if you're doing it today, 
what is the angle that will allow you to differentiate yourself from everybody else? Yeah. That's 100% positive. And I think the third piece that we can put in there is your passion for that topic. Mm. Because if you're not passionate about that topic, guess what? People are not going to feel that passion come through. So true. So it's, it's energy. It's, oh, go it ahead, is go the ahead. energy, yeah. It's the Venn diagram, right? So you, you, what are people looking for? What are you passionate about? And what can you, what, what, you know, what, what market it's going to land? My, my good friend Heather Parody just started a podcast with Rich Cardona called okay. NFT for Newbies. Okay. And they've already hit like 60,000 within a few episodes because it's very topical. They're getting into it. They're documenting their journey. They're learning, being students about it. And it's it's already hit a stride because there's a lot of things working in in that in that formula. What great example. I mean, talk about something that's in vogue right now mm -hmm. that is everybody's talking about it. Everybody yeah. wants to know it. People are super curious about it. A great title, by the way. Titles. Yep. So it's it's very clear what they're doing and who they're serving. Not only is it say what they're talking about, but it's also telling you who's the right person to want to listen somebody that maybe doesn't know a lot about NFTs. Exactly. And then your point on the energy is just like so spot on. And I, I'll add to that. And I learned this from Mark Schaefer who wrote mm -hmm. known the book known. He goes, you have to find something that you have a sustainable interest in a sustainable interest. Oh, yes. So a long-term sustainable interest, it doesn't mean it's the thing you're most passionate about, mm -hmm. but can you have a sustainable interest over the long period? Because you don't want to get bored of your content. Your your audience will know that and then they're going to just ignore it. So yeah. don't put yourself in position to fall into a, a topic that you're going to lose the momentum and lose the excitement because it's just going to be very transparent to your audience. Fizzle out. Yeah. No, 100%. You're, you're absolutely right. And then the more I think about it, the more like, yeah, I started the podcast with beekeeping, documenting that journey. And although it is sustainable, it's not something that I've been passionate about for the past 30 years, which is camera gadgets technology, right? So it's been interesting pivoting within the podcast and, and figuring out, hey, what do I really like to do? Mm. Before we go... I've got some really quick questions for you. Yeah. That we can wrap this up. What is the one hobby that you wish you got into? Playing piano. Awesome. Or any instrument for that matter. I think. Or any instrument. I think for me, piano, guitar, I, I did the drums for a little bit, but I think sticking with an instrument would be a good hobby. I'd say that I would love, to, I'd love to have, and wish I did more. It's not too late. I'm, st I'm still here. I'm still here on the you planet. You still do it. You still do it. <laughs> what next question? What did you want to be when you were a child? Baseball player. Professional. Yeah. Nice. And I'm sure you follow a lot of baseball. Go Dodgers. Yeah. Buddy, or is it yeah. Angels? <laughs> Dodger. I'm a Dodger fan. All right. And uh, my my son is an active baseball player. I'm the nice. coach. I'm on the board for the little league. You know, he's on a travel ball team. That's so I cool. played all the way to college. I mean, I was very, I played in my varsity team, went to college, walked on, didn't really make the team, but practiced with the team. And then sure. 
got to play with the team for two seasons. I was kind of like the Rudy. I was a little guy, but yeah, you know, kind of joined the, joined the baseball team. Didn't get any playing time, but it was a division one school. So the mm-hmm. fact that I got to practice with the team and that's awesome. You'd be a part of the organization and the, in the scope that I was, it was a really, really cool experience. I wouldn't trade it for anything. I love that, man. What is your favorite movie or TV show? Mm. Favorite movie. Oof, so tough. Goodfellas, Boogie Nights, Braveheart are all things that come to my mind. Love epic films. Love Fargo. Yeah, love Fargo mm-hmm. as well. TV show, it was always Six Feet Under until recently. I really got into Downton. <laughs> this is funny. Downton Abbey. <laughs> I just really loved the historical nature mm. of learning about this period of time and the, you know, the World War One slash, yeah. you know, starts with the sinking of the Titanic in 1912 and then goes into, you know, World War One and then into the Roaring Twenties. And, you know, a hundred years ago, wow. life was very different than it is today. So I, that to me was, was quite fascinating. Nice. Nice. Very cool. Love it, man. Good question. What movie would you choose? <laughs> What movie would you choose if you got to play a character in Ooh, it? Never thought about that. Okay. Hangover. I would play Zach Galifianakis character. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> He is so full of energy. Oh my God. That guy I think I could amazing. play it. I think I could, I think I could, I am not claiming to be as good as Zach, but I, I, I have yeah. been told, especially when my beard gets quite full. Uh, I have a picture of uh-huh. me that looks quite like him. So <laughs> I, I think I could do that character And, you know, wouldn't necessarily be him, but it would be, it would be my version of it. Yeah. <laughs> What a great nice. question, dude. I, like I love that. that. <laughs> Who is your favorite superhero? Ooh, I've always been a Superman guy. I, mm-hmm. He'd probably be the first one that comes to mind, but I really also love Iron Man because what he's able to create, he could fly. Yeah. He's, you know, he's not, he's not superhuman. It's all work that he did himself. So. I think I've moved from Superman to, to be Iron Man is, is in, in pole position. Oh my God. I love it. I love that. because that's my, that he's my favorite as well. Oh, nice. I can imagine that. Yeah. I love his evolution and his tinkering yeah. and you know, all of that is just so resonates with me. Last question. If you were a board game, what would it be? Monopoly. Nice. <laughs> I don't know why. That's just the one that came to my mind first, but I've always loved Monopoly. I love the idea of being able to, you know, buy, invest in assets and, yes, you know, and just, it's just, a, it's a, a great life lesson game too. It I mean, is. It so, is. Yeah, I'd say Monopoly. I think we need to do another episode because we had so much fun in this, in this conversation, Billy, that we just couldn't fit it <laughs> in this one episode. But where can my audience find you? Open anytime. You let me know when. It could be next week. It could be next year. We're almost to next year. So yeah. you let me know and, and I'll sign up. I'm happy to do another one. Would love to dive deep with you on any topic you feel. I would love talking with you. People can find me on LinkedIn. So go to LinkedIn and just type in Billy Samoa. And you'll see Billy Samoa Salibi is my full name. Or you could go to potify.com. There you go. And you could schedule time if you're a podcaster who needs support either with marketing or with promote, with production, editing, web development, SEO, paid advertising, you name it. We do pretty much a full suite. Nice. Any 
thing you could need, we can do. So schedule some time with me. You could share your vision and we'll we'll dive, do what we can to help you. I love it, Billy. Well, thank you again so much. I'm tripping all over my words. And uh, it was really awesome talking with you. We'll see you soon. Janae, thanks so much. Great time. Congratulations. You made it to the end of the episode. Thanks so much for listening to our guest on this episode. Please send me an email at junaid at hexandhobbies.com to tell me what you loved about our guest today. You could find links mentioned in this episode on the hexandhobbies.com website.